stupid, but thank you. Thank you for being here, and thank those of you online. Let me just say that in, in light of our current situation in the world and in our own nation, I believe it's very important to address uh, subjects like light and darkness and uh, truth and lies. It's very important to do so. And uh, I do know that there are believers who, they love Jesus, but they get tired of hearing some things. Uh, I, you can't tell me you don't. Uh, my pastor used to say that, um, that John the Baptist preached one message. He said, because until the people did it, there was no reason to go to another one. <laughs> but today I want to talk about light, the true light and darkness. When we say true light, uh, we mean that Jesus is the true light. That is, when the scripture says true light, he is the true light, then that indicates to us, it implies that there are other so-called lights, uh, but they are always false lights. It's the same in John 15 when, when Jesus says, I am the true vine. What is implied there is that there are false vines or there are things that people will depend on that cannot sustain life. And believers need to be reminded of that. <clears throat> I said in last service that sometimes you wonder whether or not we should uh, be, what we should need to, or you wonder whether or not or why we should be reminded. You know, why, why are we being reminded of these things? Because, because if you're pregnant, you don't need to be reminded that you're pregnant, you know. And you and I are full of God. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. Why? But there's something strange about humankind that we need to be reminded of who God is and what he has done for us. When we talk about light, the true light, what does that mean in the scriptures? What, what is God showing us? And we'll delve into this just a little bit deeper, but it has to do with God illuminating his own reality so that mankind will know that there is not just an empty expanse of space or that the earth didn't make itself, nor did the animals or the human beings. Light has to do with not only illumination, but that which makes manifest, that which uh, gives understanding or enlightenment. Uh, that which gives knowledge or, or causes one to see. And conversely, there's something called darkness. They are not equal. Uh, light always has authority over darkness. Darkness means, in the scripture, often means ignorance of mind. Uh, it means um, spiritual blindness, uh, th those things that come from the evil one. That's what generally the scripture is talking about. In Genesis chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 5, the scripture reads, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Amen. And that is, that's a, a, a period at the end of that sentence, which means that there was, that was the end of the thought. And I believe the writer Moses wants us to understand that these things did not just happen by themselves, that God was very intentional, and as he was intentional, in Genesis as recorded, he is intentional in your life and in my life. In, in all of our lives, God is intentional. And uh, we, never, we never should uh, suppose that he is sort of, he does things in a happenstance way. Well, in Genesis 
chapter 1, verse 2, the scripture reads, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And something happened between verse 1 and verse 2 because God never made anything except that which was good. So, uh, as a matter of fact, he says about Lucifer, the devil, who is now the devil and Satan, he said, you were perfect when I made you. And, uh, of course, the spirit of iniquity says, how in the world did, did he become the, the devil in a, in a perfect environment made by a perfect God with perfection all around him? I said, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. So, in this particular story, Lucifer obviously had rebelled. And so, this, and the story picks up in verse 2, that darkness was on the face of the deep. But you find that as darkness was on the face of the deep, there the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, brooding over the face of the waters, getting ready to act when God spoke. I think the Holy Spirit in us also is ready to move when God gives the command. You and I need to always be ready when God gives the command. Then in this story, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And so when God spoke, the, heaven, the, the heavens were changed. The earth was changed. The Holy Spirit did his work when, when God spoke. We, we must always allow God to speak in our lives. So today we are living in like uncertain times, and it is my view, a strong view, a sanctified view, a holy view, that we are, as the people of God, following instructions from the dictates of our own minds and sometimes from the blind. Yes, those who are spiritually blind, those who are spiritually blind are telling us what to do, and many of us are acquiescing. We are doing it. We are agreeing, and that is why I preach this message today. When in the book of Exodus, in chapter 10, uh, verses 21 through 23, um, it was during the plagues, and the plagues of Egypt were God's demonstration that evil or darkness was not in control, even though that entire nation and most of the nations of the world were under the control of darkness, God was preparing a people that were in the incubator of Egypt becoming a nation. And uh, he said to when Pharaoh refused, refused, to let God's people go. Now, that is the ultimate in spiritual blindness. When God sends his emissary, his messenger to say, God says, the only true God says, let his people go. You go, hey, I don't know him. That shows you blindness. And, and he says, I will not let them go. And he kept on. And so one of these plagues here in Exodus, God told Moses, stretch out your hand, where? Toward heaven that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, darkness which may even be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. And the Scripture says they did not see one another. 
So when darkness, spiritual darkness, uh, is in control of your life, or you are living in the sphere of spiritual darkness, you can't see other people as they are. There is a problem, not so much with them, but with you, with you first. And so when people are in spiritual darkness and we talk to them, I've talked to people who were are, who are trying to help people to see and they were, were getting emotional and screaming and saying, can't you see? No, they can't see. So rather than getting emotional and screaming, the best thing you could do is pray, is pray to break that blindness, that spiritual blindness, and that hard, crusty heart. When your loved ones don't see, it's not because they choose not to, it's, it's because they cannot. They're in spiritual blindness. They're in spiritual blindness. The scripture, when he says that there, were, there was uh, darkness uh, in all of the land of Egypt for three days, thick darkness, palpable darkness. You could feel it, you know, could feel it between your hands. It was so evil. And it was, it was um, a, a realistic picture of how evil things had gotten in Egypt. It says, but, in light of all of that, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. So what the children of Israel is a depiction, is a picture of who you are, the church, who we are. It says, the world is dark, but they have light over there. Yeah. So let us recognize it. You and I don't, you know, don't owe the flesh anything. Paul says, we don't owe the flesh anything. We're not obligated to fulfill anything that your body wants. And we are not obligated to have some kind of a relationship with the dark deeds that are in this world. Many believers feel like they have a civic responsibility. I don't feel that way. I will not participate in the evil that is in this world. You should not because you are children of light. They had light in their dwellings. Where there is no light, there is no sight. As my wife would say, you can have 20-20 vision, but if there's no light, you can't see. Without light, you cannot see. But you have light. In Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3, the prophet is speaking to Israel, God's people. I mentioned to Reverend Stan Mack, just briefly in passing, I said, I think God wants us to talk more about Israel these days. And I really believe that he does, that there is so much that we can understand from how God dealt with them. And I believe also that God's desire is that Israel would not be so much, so much supported monetarily and through political wranglings as much as through prayer. If you and I are giving our money to Israel without praying for Israel, we're shortchanging Israel. You are shortchanging them. And it's not the politics that we got to get right. It's the spirit that we got to get right. But he says to that ancient people, and I, I wish I had time to just talk about it, but he says to that ancient people uh, that the that, that enemy has tried to destroy time and time again, time and time again, and, and the enemy has not been able, and the enemy will not be able 
to destroy that ancient people. He says to them through the prophet Isaiah, Arise, shine, for your light has come. I mean, what a glorious statement. I've read that maybe a thousand times. What a glorious statement for, for God to say to you, Arise, shine, your light has come. Wow. That's, that is a true and present reality for those of us who are of faith. We can arise. Get on up. Stop sitting down. You're not in Egypt. You're not in three days of darkness. Arise, shine. Your light has come. And I think, too, you know, there's something that I've, I've taught in the past called the, the prophetic third day. And I, I, I find it in Scripture, and I think that when uh, he says that, e that it, there was darkness in Egypt for three days, it could very well be a prophetic statement that God is making to us. Or when he saw, when, he was three, when Abraham was three days off, then he saw the place of sacrifice, uh, you know, there. There could be something very prophetic about that. that, that and we won't, don't have time, nor will we go into it now. But here, he, he tells them something, and I think that it has to do uh, with end times and how God will be faithful to his word. He says to Israel, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and that is, that has been and will be in a, in a deeper way, that darkness will cover the earth. Because it's one thing to, to cover the earth uh, while you don't have light. But when light comes and you still choose darkness, that is, evil that can be felt. <laughs> that, is, that is the worst kind of evil. And that's where we are now because when we, we talk about Jesus and we have a life that exemplifies that Jesus is who he says he is and, and you are going to the left and we're going to the right as it were and we are doing what is right and you're going, doing what is wrong then, and, and you can see it and still refuse to admit that God is who he says he is that is evil indeed. The scripture says that Deep darkness is going to cover the people. Now, darkness is all over the earth, but deep darkness will cover the people. And he goes again and he says, but the Lord will arise over you. And he is giving Israel a promise that even in 2,000 years of, uh, of not being a nation, he brought them back to be a nation. That, that's, a, that's marvelous, mind-blowing stuff. And then he says, but his glory is going to be is going to rise over you. But he also speaks of this in the church age that now the glory of the Lord is, is rising over the people of God, the people of light. And he says, uh, and his glory not only will arise, but will be seen upon you. And so God wants us to, to as his people, to be seen doing good. You know, the old saying that uh, when the spotlight, you'd better be dancing when the spotlight hits you. I mean, when your opportunity comes, you need to be in, in uh, uh, alliance, uh, as it were, with that. You need to be doing something positive when that spotlight hits you. Well, when God's light comes upon you, your light has come, Jesus Christ, the glory of the Lord is risen upon you, and uh, the, the Lord will arise over you. His glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. What he's saying is that, that, that there's coming a day when he is going to do something so astounding in Israel. It hasn't been done yet, but he's going to do something so astounding that the kings will come. 
that they will, they will come to the brightness of your rising. But that also, I believe, prophetically has to do with the church, the people of God, that when you and I stop playing and dabbling in things that are not God, that the God did not call you to do, that's not your assignment. Your assignment is to be salt. Your assignment is to be light. Your assignment is to be a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. That's your assignment from God, and that is your enablement from God. Unbelievers will see your light. They've heard our words. They've seen our shameless posts. But have they seen our light? John chapter 1. Love that chapter. I, I, I quote some, I've got verses I quote in every sermon, it seems like. But John chapter 1 blesses me. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. All things were made through Him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And so he tells us that God, who is very life itself, if we say God the Father has life in himself, we really misunderstand. And our English language or even Spanish language is not potent enough to give the essence of that reality. God is life. He is love. He's a big, he's, he's abundant life. Just life. And he gave the son to have that same life. Not a part of it. Jesus is not a lesser God. He was in the beginning with God. He was God in the beginning with God. And the scripture says, and this light, which is his life. So Jesus gives you his life. You know, I've, I, I try not to pick on things, but when we say Jesus came into my life, I know what we meant. And that was good enough, I suppose, until we got some further truth. You know, but Jesus doesn't come into my old stinking life. Jesus comes into my heart and is my life. He doesn't come into your life. He comes into your heart and he becomes your life. And now you are a new kind of creation. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. And look, behold, gaze at all things have become new. That's what he wants us to know. That's what he wants us to walk out of here with today. We are a new creation, a new kind of being. There's never been a being like you on the earth. No, 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 not before Jesus came. No, people who are now the house of God, the dwelling place of God. I think it was A.W. Tozer wrote the book, Man, the Dwelling Place of God. Wow. Man. See, that's what light does. If you ever gazed into the bright light and it made your eyes water? Uh, whoa. Wow. 
that life was the light of men. And so that means that when Jesus comes, you and I have a God-given ability that we have not had before. When Jesus comes, brings his life to you, he brings his light to you, his knowledge to you, his understanding to you, that you become new. You can now see what you couldn't see before. I, I, love, I love to give this story, and I've given this analogy in a while, and so you're due. You're overdue. Uh, I, I told you the story. I love telling this story. It was in the 70s. I'm pretty sure it was in the 70s when, uh, you know, remember they had that little board, little board with those little sticks on it? And I walked in one of those charismatic meetings, and charismatics were a little weird anyway. And, and uh, you know, wonderful, but weird. And, and I remember somebody said, look at this board. What do you see? I looked at that board. I didn't see anything but sticks, you know. You know, it's like the blind man said, Jesus, what do you see? I just see, see men walking like trees. And so I, was, I looked at that thing. I looked at that thing. It came back. He said, what do you see? I said, I just see sticks on a board. Keep looking. Keep looking. Never forget that. And man, after a while, I screamed out, I see Jesus. I see Jesus. Man, and I, could, I saw Jesus. I looked until I had sight. I kept staring until I could see. And if, if you feel like God has left you, keep looking. Keep looking until you see. And I saw Jesus that day, that night. I remember seeing Jesus. And, and I tried to trick myself to see if I could unsee Jesus. And so I remember turning my head to the side, and I saw Jesus. I would turn to the other side, and I saw Jesus. Then I inverted myself. And I saw Jesus. And it's like God said, son, it doesn't matter if you turn your head to the left or to the right. If life turns you upside down, once you've seen Jesus, you can't unsee Jesus. And I'm grateful for that light of God. And I want the whole church to know what God has done for us in giving us the very life of his son. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody. We have been given the most precious gift. Let us, not, let us not look away or let us not trivialize what Jesus has done for us. Don't trivialize the great gift that the Father has given to us. There's so much I would like to say, but the Scripture talks about, and Isaiah prophesies about, the people in Isaiah 9, 2, he prophesies about the people who walked in the darkness. Can you imagine walking in darkness? Yes, I have walked in darkness. You have walked in darkness. It's no place for you. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. He was talking about Jesus of Nazareth. He was talking about Jesus who, who put his headquarters in the Galilee, who walked in that land. He said, they have seen a great light. Jesus did all of his miracles in Galilee of the Gentiles, so many rather of his miracles in Galilee of the Gentiles, in a place where the people in Judea thought, yuck, yuck, those folks. And so he did it where there were outcast folks, there were low-income folks, there were people who were undesirables. He did his great miracles there. And he said, they have seen a great light. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. They've seen a great light. And we are God's people. We have been in darkness. We've sat in darkness. We have walked in darkness, but we have seen a great light. Let us go out into the world and show the people what we know and not telling them how we can solve their own problems. They can't solve their problems. In all the years of, of American history, we've not solved the problems we had in the beginning. It's because Jesus alone is the solution to every problem. And when you see that, then the light of God is dawned upon you, and you will stop trying to fix what man has not fixed, even in his history on the earth. Only Jesus can do it. So you have seen a great light. You have sat in the region in the shadow of death, but now light is dawned upon you. So let us go out and be those people of light. My time has slipped away. But let me, let me just sum up something here. Let me sum up something. Peter says, he says, come into him as to a living stone. I, I see him. See, Jesus said in John, he said, the one who has seen me has seen the Father. So it says to me that when you see Jesus, God gives you, as it were, perfect vision then you are able to see in the spirit realm things that you could never see before. You couldn't even imagine them before, but now you can see them. But what we are doing is we are equating spiritual things with natural things, or natural things with spiritual things. We're almost saying they are one and the same. I said to the, to the second service today, I believe in my civic duty. I, I'm, I'm a political science major. I, I really like that, used to really love that stuff, and thought I could do some, some good, but God called me to preach the gospel. I realize you have a civic duty, but your civic duty should never be equated with your God-given duty and responsibility. I want to drive that home to you. And if you are conflicted like that, there is something wrong. You need to come to the A-L-T-A-R and be A-L-T-E-R-E-D. That's what you need. Let me finish this quickly. He says, come into him as to a living stone. And listen, what men do, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. This is Jesus, he's saying. You also as living stones, so you and as he is, so are we. So he calls him a living stone, and now you also as living stones. You are living stones. You are the temple of God, and he's making you. One of the, I love the story uh, when, uh, when Solomon was building the temple and how uh, I'm always alluding to this at the fact that, that uh, there was not a sound of a hammer or a chisel made. In all while there, can you imagine building that temple all those years and there's not a sound of a hammer or chisel and all of a sudden, ta-da, ta-da-da-da-da-da-da, ta-da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, all of a sudden, all right, it would be better than that. <laughs> Y'all got the message. Can you imagine? God, you know, and suddenly, but, but see, what the thing is, this is what I believe. I do believe this, and I, this, this is my sanctified imagination, and this is the Holy Spirit working in me. I believe that that's what's going on right now. The world is looking at a bunch of frayed people, silly sometimes, 
can be co-opted easily. Guppies. But after a while, after a while, ta-da, ta-da, ta-da-da-da-da. After a while, it's, it's built, it's finished. You are living stones. And then the glory of God comes into that vessel, that temple like never before. It comes in the temple and the priests are trying to minister, but the glory of God, they can't stand. And this is what God wants to do for us in this time in which we live. I don't want to give it to the next generation. They are certainly a part of it. But is there anybody here who can say something for the Lord? Is there anybody here who can say the light has come? The light has come. The light has come from my innermost being. The light has come. Hallelujah. And I'm radiating the light. I'm radiating the light. I'm not reflecting the light. I'm radiating the light. Hallelujah. You are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. And he or she who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble. He says they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are not destined to do that. He's not saying that God chose some people to be lost. He is saying that, that everybody who refuses to come to the light will, will have their portion in darkness forever. Hallelujah, someone in this house. Hallelujah, somebody in this house. Hallelujah, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. But then he, but he says something that's so beautiful in verse 9. He says, but, but you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's own special people. Why do you exist? You know your what, but what is your why? This is your why. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. He called you out of sinfulness. That you may proclaim his praises. He called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are now children of light. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. They can say we're crazy, but we know light when we see it. We were in darkness. We were once darkness, but now we are light in the Lord. We are light in the Lord. We are light in the Lord. Let's proclaim Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Listen, listen. 